Ozone. Welcome to the Ozone Podcast, featuring Jaguars.com senior writer John Osher and Jaguars executive producer Dave DeCandis. And this week, doing something a little different. We're going to reintroduce you guys, if you will. One I've been looking forward to. I think it's an interesting, I think it's gonna be an interesting podcast. We have Ashlyn Sullivan, Brian Sexton, J.P. Shadrick. I could go over their titles. They have many titles with us. But it's really the Jaguars media family. I think I think we all agree with that. And it's going to be a chance to get to know them a little bit, to get their thoughts on the Jaguars season, uh, their thoughts on life in general, which I'm sure we're looking forward to as Shadrick. And it's just a chance to look ahead to the season. So without further ado... Uh, let's talk some ball real quick. Everybody looking forward to this season? Are we looking forward to this season after the pandemic? Uh, JP, you start. You know, I, I hate to be a Debbie Downer, but I'm a little skeptical of everything um, leading up to this season so far. Are we even going to get to the end of the runway here is my question. Just watching everything with, with baseball going on. And then once they get to the season – how long can they maintain the season? So, you know, yes, I'm excited for football, but I'm still sitting in this wood-paneled room at my house, and I haven't seen a football player in person yet. So it's not really quite hit home, I guess, for me yet. I guess that's my general feel, this whole thing. Maybe that's a little, a little bit of a downer, but that's just how I feel right now. And you know, maybe that changes in a couple of weeks when you're actually seeing some contact on the practice field. Yeah, before I pop over to Schlen, let me clarify here. This is a new role for me. Usually Ashlyn, Brian, and, and JP are interviewing John, and I'm, and I'm sort of being, yeah. you know, the jackass, for lack of a better word. That's a good word. That's a good word. That's a good word. <laughs> I get to bring Brian in. I get to cut Brian off, which is the thing I'm really looking forward to today. But, uh, Ashlyn, let's talk to you. You're the young person in the group with the innocent perspective on life. Are you optimistic? Are the young people, who I always go to you, you're one of the young people, Shlan. Are the young people optimistic about this thing allowing football to take place? Or do you even talk to young people anymore because you're always sequestered? Yes, I'm so used to talking to you guys that I don't even get to talk to any young people anymore. It stinks. But John, you're doing a fabulous job hosting. So far, so good, I must well, say. Well, that's me. <laughs> I think uh, it's great to be optimistic, obviously, and we all want football back, but I think you definitely have to be realistic when you look at something like this. I think especially this generation, everyone was very excited and optimistic when we saw baseball come back, finally live sports, and now you're seeing it is not going as well as everyone had hoped going into three weeks into the season. Um, so I think you've got to look at that and then apply it to football. And You see the success that the bubble is having with the NBA and ratings are through the roof, and it's great to have live basketball back. I think if you can meet somewhere in the middle with the NFL and, and apply that bubble lifestyle, but also be realistic that this is football, it's a contact sport, problems are going to happen, and you just got to kind of see what happens and roll with it day by day. Uh, Brian, I almost hesitate to ask because I don't really think of you as the eternal optimist. What <laughs> is your take on it? I mean, do you think there's a chance they finish up this season? Well, first of all, compared to you, John, anybody is optimistic. <laughs> Ooh, burn. True. I mean, let's just be honest. Um, There's and, time and to take shots later. I'll be honest with you. I mean, I, baseball's talking about quitting after just a couple of weeks. So how in the world is football going to, in a much um, closer game, where guys can't be socially distant from first to second to third base, how's football going to pull it off? 
Um, I'm not one of these people that's scared of this thing. I mean, it, look, it, we're already pulling Gardner Minshew back to the the active roster. I mean, this is not a deadly disease. But from a uh, political perspective, uh, from a political correctness perspective, and we all know the NFL is anything, uh, it is politically correct. They are not going to want to be seen as spreading this virus. So they're going to have trouble because there's going to be nothing but spread of this virus in a game where men are laying on top of each other. Yeah, I'm fascinated to see how it turns out. Cause I, I think they'll find a place perhaps between the NFL, I mean, uh, between the NHL and baseball, and they'll learn from mistakes. But you just wonder, even the most optimistic learning, you wonder how that'll play out. Well, I promised at the top we would get to know you guys a little bit. I personally, I'm fine with the level that we all know each other. But for the purposes of our of our readers, I'm an old newspaper guy, so I say readers or listeners, give me a little bit, maybe one or two sentences each. Brian, you can have five uh, on on your background. And I guess just tell me, why are you in this business, Ashlyn? When do you remember wanting to do this? And was it always your dream to be in this business? <laughs> this well, was not Tom, the dream. I'm in this business. It is. It is the dream. And, you know, getting to host shows with you, what could be better? Uh, I'm in this business because I love ball, love talking ball, especially with you guys. That's my favorite, especially when John is hosting. My parents will tell you I'm in this business because I was never good at anything else. Not good in school, (laughs) not the greatest grades. But when it came to football, I worked hard, really enjoyed what I was doing and this has been the dream ever since I was little. I used to steal the sports page from my dad, and we'd get in big fights over that. It's always been football. Straight gotcha. ball, as you would say, John. JP, same story, different generation? Yeah, a, a little <laughs> bit, really. I mean, uh, a generation-ish earlier, not that much earlier, I don't think. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I grew up watching This Week in Baseball with Mel Allen, right, as the narrator and host. and. My dad had this this 45 record. Shalana, 45 is a smaller record album that you run at a faster speed on a turntable, and then you hear the audio through the speakers. So there was this cavalcade of it was a cavalcade of sports from like the 40s and 50s. My dad had it as a kid. Mel Allen narrated it, and it had Red Barber Dodger calls on it from Brooklyn. It had horse racing Kentucky Derby highlights. It was a two sided deal. And I listened to that thing over and over and over. Then I realized that Mel Allen's from Birmingham, Alabama. I didn't know that when I was that little. Um, And then watching football over the years, you know, Keith Jackson on TV, all the Alabama games, going to the games. And uh, that's what I wanted to do uh, going into college was to be an announcer of some kind. I didn't know what, but um, it started out in baseball and then has now moved over to football and um, that's really where the seed was planted, I think, though. All those, all those old television and radio broadcasts back when I was young, just, just wanting to do that. Uh, Brian, you obviously a lot of people who are following this know that you were the Jaguars' voice from 95 on. Uh, you got the job very young. Was this something you always wanted to do? Did you always think the NFL was going to be your path? Did you have other sports? Uh, just tell us about that. Well, I grew up you know, you and I are the same age, early 50s. And so I grew up listening to the radio. Um, You know, we lived in the Midwest and everything was a far drive, you know, from whether we lived in Kansas or in Nebraska or, you know, we lived in Illinois for a time. You know, we were always driving to see relatives. So I was listening to um, 
Jack Buck do the Cardinals games on KMOX radio or Dan Kelly called the blues games on KMOX. And when we lived in Boston, I was listening to Johnny most call the Celtics games. So for years and years, I listened to these guys tell stories and I like to talk and I enjoy telling stories. Um, I, you know, I go back to what Schlin was saying. She said, she's not really good at anything else. Well, you know, this is what we're best at, right? Mm-hmm. I'm best when I'm in front of a group of people or a microphone telling a story. Um, so when I went to college, my dad said to me, hey, look, you know, I don't care what you study, but get a job where you can sell something and raise a family. And I said, that sounds boring to me. I'm not doing that. I'm going to do something where I can talk. So I went to the student radio station the first day I was on campus. And I, I just, I found that I enjoyed talking about what was happening, telling people the story of what was going on, whether I was sitting below the, um, the high jump or the, um, the pole vault at the Kansas Relays, or I was doing a game with the KU women's basketball team in Norman, Oklahoma. I, just, I decided that I liked telling people what was happening. So I'll tell you when I decided that this was really going to happen for me. It was the 1989 World Series. And you'll laugh because I'm not much of a baseball mm-hmm. guy, but that was the Oakland series where – Um, they had the earthquake and the bridges collapsed and Al Michaels was doing the game on ABC and he narrated beautifully. They had Peter Jennings back in Washington, DC, but he wasn't there. So they let Al Michaels tell the story of what was happening in the Bay area because he's from California. He knew it well. He could tell people where the fires were, what that bridge was that had collapsed. He did a magnificent job. And the next morning I went in to my journalism class, and the journalism professor, a guy named John Broholm, started railing about how ABC should have gotten this guy off and put Peter Jennings on. At that moment, I knew I wanted to be a sportscaster because sports guys could tell stories just as well as the news guys. And from that point on, it's just been a matter of finding the right opportunity, and the Jaguars presented itself early, but I'm a storyteller. And your journalism professor couldn't have been more wrong, but you probably knew that at the time. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> well, it, and that's interesting because that brings us to the next topic. Uh, trying to tell this story this season. Uh, I think a lot of listeners know, or if they don't know, we're going to, for the most part, be working remotely this year, the three of us. Some of us might go into the office occasionally, but, the, but for the most part, we're going into practice and we're covering the team virtually, which for me, after 25 years of doing it one way, this is a completely different way. Uh, Brian the same way, Ashlyn the same way, JP the same way. Um, guys, are, are we excited about this? Apprehensive? Uh, Shlyn, I'll let you start. I mean, it, it, you've been doing this, I guess, since 2017 with us, so it'll be a different sort of body clock for you. Uh, can this be done? How will we get the fan uh, intimate with the team, if you will? I think it's all about, and I think – with us, we've done a pretty good job of doing this is just finding creative ways to maybe change up some content. I mean, it's not going to look the same. It can't look the same and it shouldn't. But with that, um, I found it's almost at times easier now to get players bought into something we're doing because it is an at-home setup and time management wise, we're much more free to do things um, and, and add more time to something like that. So I've definitely taken advantage of, of things like Instagram live where you're just having a a candid conversation with a player for about 40 minutes and you have fans jumping on and, and commenting and you have uh, some teammates jumping in 
Um, so I think it's all about just finding a different way to do things. And I think it's going to be a lot of trial and error for us. We've seen it so far in the off season, but for example, the draft was our first big production doing this virtually. And I think we couldn't have done a better job with that. And Brian, you've been doing it a certain way, just like me for a long time. We'll be going to practice, but how do you anticipate this changing in terms of maybe how we talk to people around the building? It's going to be a new thing that we're not going to be able to do maybe quite as much this year. Well, I'll be honest with you, John. I'm struggling with it. Uh, I am I'm really struggling with it because for 25 years, you know, at this moment in time, I knew exactly what I was supposed to be doing. You know, practice may have changed or the, the names and the faces may have changed, but I understood the process of getting through August to September. Now we're skipping sure. August, you know, relatively speaking, going right to September, and we don't even know what that's going to be yet. So I'm struggling because I'm used to walking out on the practice field with an assistant coach and, you know, getting the, the rundown of what the meetings the night before were all about. And then off the field, a player and finding out their perspective on the coaching staff or the offense or the heat or the hotel, or I, I, I'm used to hearing what's going on from the people themselves instead of being distant like this, feeling disconnected and trying to tell the story. So I think it's going to be a really difficult lift early on until we get into some sort of a rhythm with Zoom and the phone and, and whatever. Um, in, in a sense, we'll be telling the story of telling the story. But I don't want right. to do that all season, right? I, at some point, I want to tell the story of the Jaguars as they navigate their way through this most difficult season. And JP, a little different role for you, primarily because you host the radio, doing it weekly. In the sense of hosting, maybe your role hasn't changed dramatically, but there's got to be some dramatic changes in what you're doing. Well, I mean, it's this is the same room I host the radio shows in now. That's the right. big thing. So we're not in the same room together. Um, you know, over the summer, I'm fortunate that over the summer I had equipment at my house from some side work that I do that we could work with the radio station and, and could do the radio shows, at least have them on the air and make them sound like I'm sitting in the studio at least. Uh, but now that the trick is kind of getting Zoom or – Skype or however we do that to match with the video side of it. And, you know, that's the challenge. We're not in the same room together. So much of that stuff. And to touch on what Brian talked about too, you know, going in that locker room for 45 minutes, some days is just painful because guys don't want to talk or whatever, but that's a lot of times where you get um, a lot of your base sure. information. You know, you're talking to a third string guy, you're talking to the backup guard about what's going on, and then you kind of navigate around that locker room over time. So we won't have that this year. And I think that's part of the challenge of of really getting some true storylines going and, and following them throughout the season here. But as for the radio shows, I mean, we're, we've been very fortunate this summer to be able to to continue to do them the sound and look might have been a, a little bit different but i think this is going to be the sound and look of this coming season so we might as well get used to it um but I, you know everybody that's been on has either been on the phone or, or now on skype and you know it's just a, a little more communication leading up to the show i think than probably was before not that we didn't have it before but uh, now you really have to coordinate and make sure everybody's on the same page on your shows to to make sure it looks and sounds great. It almost feels odd, but you know, we're almost a month from the regular season now. And 
we haven't been on the field, so we haven't seen these guys up close. Is it too early to ask you guys, what's your gut on this season? How, I mean, not whether it's going to happen or not, but let's assume there's 16 games. Brian, what do you think of this team, or do we just not know yet because we haven't seen it? Well, it's tough to say because we haven't had a chance to see Gardner Minshew. I, I, you know, rest on his shoulders as far as I'm concerned. I think they've made a lot of astute personnel moves to solidify places that were weak. Um, I don't think they're a top team, uh, but I think with a good job by the coaching staff, they'll be a very competitive team. And then the difference is if Gardner Minshew um, has improved significantly, then they can do what they did a year ago, which is compete week to week and find themselves, you know, in the fourth quarter in the ballgame. If he regresses, then, you know, I think that they're looking at the top of the draft for a quarterback next year. But I can't tell you that because I haven't had a chance to see him. Now, I know he's going to talk and we're going to hear from him, you know, periodically this August. But until we can see him on the field in game-like situations, I think it's tough to decide what the Jaguars are going to be in 2020. Swen, one glorious season for you and two pretty tough seasons since you've been here. Uh, how do you see this one playing out? You, you probably talk to more of the young guys than any of us uh, in some of the Instagram stuff you've done. And, and so do you get a good vibe from the rookie class? Can they make an impact? And just overall, what do you think of this team? Yeah, overall, it seems like everyone is really meshing really well. And every single young guy that I have talked to and veteran with that, especially Chris Thompson, the veteran free agent that joined the team at running back, uh, you definitely hear almost immediately the impact Gardner Minshew has had so far in the virtual offseason meetings. And everyone has noticed the immediate difference that Gardner has taken this year, now knowing that he is the starting quarterback. They basically said, with the circumstances of everything being virtual, like he has handled it the best possible way he can. And I'll go to the other side of the ball. I think with Gardner, obviously it's all on his shoulders, but you also have to look at the run defense. I mean, we said run defense about 18 times a day at the second half of last season. I mean, that was by far the biggest Achilles heel for the Jaguars. And I really don't think you have a chance to win this year unless that's fixed. You have Al Woods now on the COVID reserve list, um, not playing this season, opting out. And now it really is how big is that Devon Hamilton draft pick going to be? Is he going to make the difference that the Jaguars need you hope so because that was a huge, huge thing that needed to be fixed over the offseason. JP, thoughts on the season? Well, uh, to, to kind of echo Schlin there, I think the offense has a chance to be pretty good. I think it all depends on what Gardner is going to do. But Leonard Fournette's in a contract year. Uh, not that he's not motivated before, but he certainly will be now. They believe in the offensive line. We heard Doug Marone, I think, last week talk about that. And you know, they didn't make a lot of changes on that offensive line in the offseason. They've got a Pro Bowl receiver. They've upgraded the tight end room. Uh, again, we'll see if it sticks this time. It hasn't stuck for about eight years around here. So, you know, the off, I'm not too concerned about the offensive side of the ball, to be quite honest with you. But as Ashlyn was talking about, that defensive side, stopping the run, the, the gap integrity last year was just not great because you had guys out of place and then somebody would step over to, to – take over their mistake and then open another gap and then they go open for the long long runs on this defense so you add Schober to the middle moving miles outside I like that move because that's two veteran guys at the linebacker spot I think they'll have the stoutness up front I'm not too concerned about that I think one of my concerns though yeah teams you know going to try to run the ball in this defense but 
the unknowns of the secondary right now. Mm-hmm. But you know, Hayden's going to play nickel. That's fine. Um, the safeties, are they great? They're solid. They can play good. They're good, good players at safety. But the unknowns for me are at the corners. I mean, Trey Herndon is a young guy in the league. Played okay last year, but he's, you know, he hasn't been around the league a long time. And then you have a first-round pick on the outside that you haven't seen on the grass at all yet. So that's my real concern, I think, is the defensive side of the ball, which is weird to say because you have some some big names on that side of the ball still. Um, I can't give you a win total right now, John. I know that's what you're going to ask next. Yeah. Well, no, it's it's. Uh, I agree with you guys. I think there are so many unknowns. It could be a good season if all the things that they're optimistic about come to fruition. Uh, usually in the NFL, all those things don't come to fruition. So uh, I'm kind of with you guys. I think six to eight wins would be an accomplishment, and uh, that's sort of what I think they're realistically shooting, uh, uh, shooting for. So the final thing we do, and I know you guys look forward to this because you like getting to know each other. Schlen, Brian, and Shadrick like getting to know who each other are. But it's called the Ozone 5. The Ozone 5. We're going to go around the horn and basically some quick answers to five uh, quick questions. Brian Sexton, your last binge watch. Um, Yellowstone. Was it good? That was excellent. Uh, I love Cowboys and the, uh, the Wild West, and Kevin Costner is outstanding in his role. Wears both the white and the black hat in the same show. So I thought, uh, I thought it was well worth my time. Slynn, same question. Last binge watch. Strangely enough, and I am sad to admit this, I have never watched The Office all the way through. So during this quarantine, I have watched the entirety of The Office. I believe now in the hype, I used to be a hater and say it's not that funny. It is that funny. Now, recently, I'm watching the new season of Last Chance You. So far, so good. JP? Well, I'm not a big television watcher, at least before the pandemic. Um, I subscribed subscribed to Netflix at the start of the pandemic because I was at home and I had nothing else going on. So I had never seen House of Cards. So I watched, I picked like a random episode in the second or third season. I think it was the one where the assassination attempt came where he got shot. It might have been season three. And I watched from that point all the way to the end of the series. So that's my last true binge watch, I think, that would qualify. So you didn't watch the first season? No, I haven't watched the first two seasons yet, but season three to the end were fantastic. Season one and season two are the best. Oh, well, I need to go back. Yeah. Got a lot to look forward to. Last song or station that any of you listen to in the car? JP, you first. Oh, uh, song or station? Yeah, I mean, if it's a song or if it's uh, sports talk radio. Oh, yeah. it's it's. uh, I have it on sports talk when I get in the car. I mean, just to hear what's going on and... You know, but then I'll flip on either, um, you know, the phone or a, CDs are still a thing in, in some automobiles. So I have those okay, in my what car CDs as well. in your CD oh, player? Right um, I think Leonard Skinner right now, actually. I, I'm on like a Skinner kick these days. So I've got uh, Skinner's Innards, the best of. And Brian, last song listened to in the car. Uh, Magic Bus by The Who. I have uh, oh. The Who Essentials up on my Apple Music Classic. And um, I was just looking right there to confirm it. But yes, the who. It's amazing that it's magic bus because Schlin has a magic brush. Schlin, same yes, question. she does. John, I was very surprised you weren't going to go into some great elaborate detail of who the who is and enlighten me. 
No, Go ahead. I told you Here's that three your toss years ago. <laughs> uh, Normally, the highway, Sirius XM, country station. Big country gal. You wouldn't think, being from South Florida, but I keep up. I like it. Who's your favorite this? country artist, Flynn? Sorry, I'm going to ask a question. I'm a host, John. My bad. What's your favorite country You're artist? You're not Flynn? the host this <laughs> week. We've talked about this. <laughs> Uh, Luke Combs. I would say Luke Combs most recently. He's really climbing up the charts, fellas, if you haven't paid attention. I haven't. I haven't. I haven't either. (laughs) We're old. Uh, Each one of you, your best sport growing up. Brian, I'll start with you, the sack artist. Uh, Football. (laughs) Uh, I was a, uh, this sounds like Al Bundy sitting on his couch. Uh, But I was a a pretty decent uh, three technique high school football player for uh, a three-time state champion in the Missouri Class 5. So I uh, rushed the passer pretty well for a high school player. And had a sack in the state championship game. Three. Don't forget. In the state championship game. Okay, three. And two forced fumbles and a fumble recovered. Yeah, never forget. How dare you disrespect him. JP, same question. I was terrible at baseball. I could bunt. Uh, I was a catcher. (laughs) I could throw pretty good until I hurt my shoulder and didn't realize it. Uh, but that was like two years. I was young. I was pretty good at basketball. Um, you know, that was after baseball. It was like 11, 12, 13. I played basketball. But then uh, at a certain point there, I wasn't as athletic as everybody else. Uh, but before all that, I played soccer. But I couldn't run fast, so they put me in goal. And we won the city championship as like seven-year-olds. And I allowed like three goals all season. So I'm a goalkeeper in soccer. It was probably my best one. I like that. Shalana, you were a softball girl, correct? I was, but I was not that good. I played 13 years. I don't know why I played so long when I wasn't that good. But I was what you call a slapper, which is a switch hitter. So I batted left-handed, and you basically run up to the ball, smack it down on the ground, run as fast as you can, and hope that the first baseman drops the ball. You know, I might want to make it there in time. <laughs> I like the honesty. I was, I was a <laughs> basketball player, for people who didn't know, and I was, uh, I was not very good. Uh, my best sport was not a good sport. Uh, most memorable interview, and it doesn't have to be the Jaguars, but uh, very quickly, most interview, most memorable interview for you in your life, Brian. Bobby Thompson, shot heard around the world. He lived in Ponte Vedra, and he came out to do a, a Monday evening Jaguars live show that I used to do at the River City Brewing Company. And uh, I, I can hear Russ Hodges call it. Uh, in my head right now. It's one of the great calls in the history of the game. JP being the baseball aficionado can attest to that. And to sit with Bobby Thompson, um, a hero, a legend, was, well, it was a thrill. I can still remember. I've got a signed business card from him, and and he passed a couple years ago, and uh, I thought fondly of him that day. Aside from interviewing me, JP, what's your best interview? Well, it's it's odd that uh, Brian mentioned Bobby Thompson, because I was the first, and no offense to all the other interviewees I've had over the years, but Ernie Harwell uh, was probably the one for me. And he was the announcer on television that day, and his broadcast, nobody has a recording of. So, you know, I think Red Barber called it for the Dodgers, Russ Hodges for the Giants, and Ernie Harwell's on network television, but the only tape that exists is somebody rolling on the tape of Russ Hodges at their house. And um, but anyway, but this is back in, when I was doing independent ball, and then early with the Suns, um, I connected with him just a random email. I'm just looking for a guest or an interview, 
and he responded and was gracious for like five straight years. He did a, a lengthy interview with me like the last four or five years of his life and couldn't have been nicer. I don't know of anybody nicer in the business because I don't think he ever said no to anything like that. Yeah, I've always almost heard that. any request from any young broadcaster. And yeah, I've uh, that goes a long way. Yeah, I've always heard he's a great guy. Shalyn, same question. Ooh, I would have to say it's a tie, but I'm going to go first with Calais Campbell doing the final video board interview with him last season against the Colts, and he picked up the fumble for the touchdown, and, and that being very up in the air of whether that would be most likely my last interview with him or not, and, and doing it so with a big win in front of the home fans after a pretty difficult year was definitely something I'll always remember because we all love that moment for him. Um, and secondly, I would have to say going to New Orleans and doing an interview with Leonard Fournette in the seventh board, seeing a totally different side of him, definitely had a much greater appreciation for how Leonard grew up after that. Uh, so I would say it's a tie between those two. Final Ozone 5 question. Favorite team growing up? JP, it's a default for you, but we'll get to it later. <laughs> Brian, your favorite team growing up? Boston Celtics. Of any sport? The Boston Celtics. Um... We lived in Boston for a time. Uh, back in the three-channel days, they were the team that was on the most with the Lakers. And those great Celtic-Laker finals of the 80s, where it seemed like they were playing in June against each other every year, and Larry Bird and Magic Johnson. Um, I fell in love with the Celtics. At one point, I was the only subscriber to Celtics Pride magazine in the state of Kansas. And uh, they sent me a nice letter thanking me for following the Celtics from afar because, Lynn, you can probably not appreciate this back then, uh, to have fans spread out all over the country was, it, we weren't connected. There was no internet at that point in time. So I only saw them when they were on network uh, television. Uh, JP, same question. I think everybody knows the answer. Yeah, I grew up uh, born, raised an Alabama fan, went to the University of Alabama, um, so from birth, really, there's a shirt, there's a photo that my dad has, I think, of me right after I was born. And it's it's me in one of those baby shirts, you know, what babies wear when they come in the hospital, right? They, well, they, don't come, they don't come in it, but they put it on them after they're out. Anyway, so it was, it said, hold on, Bear, I'm coming with a picture of Bear Bryant on it. Because he was still alive at the time, right? right. So it, it really started there. And that's it Alabama football and their glory years at least for in my generation in the 90s with Gene Stallings it didn't get better than that Shalyn is it as simple as go Gators same story as JP but a better team go <laughs> Gates <laughs> I like that I, I like the final shot uh, you know and I will close with that I think we could all go on talking forever I want to thank all of y'all for doing this at some point we might all see each other again until then, we'll see each other on Zoom. Thank you guys for doing this. It means a lot. Thank you, John. Thank you, John. You have a great future in hosting, John. Thanks. <laughs> All right. I want to thank Ashlyn, JP, and Brian for joining us for that. And it was interesting, Dave. We all get a chance to talk to each other on camera about the Jaguars and maybe have have a little bit of back and forth with each other. Um I really didn't realize a couple of things I learned about Brian, JP, and Ashlyn. I was wondering if you learned anything that's remotely interesting about three people that you're very lukewarm about personally. <laughs> no, they're all great. No, the one thing I did learn wasn't about those three. I learned 
how far you've come. Because when yeah, you first started doing this, you were just a writer who was all nervous and and uh, awkward on on camera. Now look at you. You're a podcast host. You're telling telling the I host what to do. do. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's really. I took this job in 2011. As you know, you and I weren't working together. You were still at the TV station. So is Patrick Cavanaugh, our our video producer, uh, rising star within the organization guy. Um, and through you guys, uh, primarily, you really taught me a lot about being on the air, uh, how to broadcast, if you will, and just through experience, I uh, feel like I can sort of stay out of my own way doing it. I certainly would still say that I feel far more comfortable with JP, Brian, and Ashlyn running the interviews than with Johnny O running the interviews. But I appreciate the kind words. All right, let's not quit being kind to each other and let's uh let's let's talk a little turkey, a little dirt about the uh broadcast team. So it's funny, it's just how how much we've grown in whatever, I guess, since you got hired in I guess nine years, since it was just you and then Patrick came in and then JP then me and then Brian and well and then Brian switched into the current role he's in. And it's right. just funny how uh how we've grown exponentially over the last few years and and sometimes I think about sometimes when we do stuff like this about where we were and kind of the way we used to um where I I remember watching you and back in the day the broadcast department was basically an intern, a PR intern, and used to and John used to do little reports yeah. from the uh from each away stadium in 2011, which were always pretty funny to me. Yeah, the uh, in, in 2011 up until I think Patrick came on in 2012, yeah. and my first fall, it it was basically all writing on the website, and when I could get the video intern or or when he could get me to go go out and do a stand up, which at the time was this a pure writer just talking at the camera not knowing having any idea what i was doing that was the extent of jaguar's video unless the video guy went and got logman on and uh and he's doing the same thing talking to the camera without any guidance and as you said we've since added we now have basically i guess four full-time people who are on the air with another three four five people who work inside the video department so it is in nine years, it has become, you know, you're the TV background, Dave, but it it has become a fully functioning equivalent of a local television uh, news department, and maybe even on, on a higher end than that because of some of the sh- because of some of the shows we do. I, I like that. You're such a big star. You don't even know how many production people we have. They're that big. <laughs> we have three, four, five. <laughs> we we got five, five production people, yeah, including right, including myself, and Patrick, and Max, and Brent, and Trent. You know, you, they may come across social media every now and again, but uh, you know they do a great job, and everybody here really, uh, it's really been fun to kind of see this thing grow. So I was the second one, second production person after Patrick. That kind of after the reincarnation of the broadcast department. A little background. Is so the Jaguars were actually one of the first teams in the NFL to have a broadcast department, and then when the economy downturned in in the early 2000s, and the Weavers started getting ready to sell the team, they they kind of let that broadcast department fade away and go away. And then after the Cons bought it, 
Um, there was kind of resurgence of staffing and everything around the stadium. And that's one of the things they brought back was the broadcast department. They've kind of done it almost like one person at a time over that time, which, uh, which has been fun. It's cool seeing how it's grown. And, um, and yeah, and, you know, it's just, I like to, sometimes I'll, I'll get on our website and this is how nerdy I am. I'll go back to like 2013 and 14 and see what we were doing, see what we're doing now. And uh, it's just cool for me of someone who was kind of part of the beginning of it to see where, sure. we, where we've gotten to. Well, it's become a thing, I think, where in the old days, the broadcast department, it, you, know, you wondered, was there something for them to produce every day on a daily basis that went to the public? It, it was a different dynamic. And our growth since... SARs, meaning our team that we have now, has been more, it has felt very organic to me in the sense that in 2011, 2020, you've seen the growth of social media. You've seen every team now, every sports team puts out video every day. They have content online. They have shows that run on Twitter. So we have grown along with the demand for this. And I, I think it's safe to say, over the next five, 10 years, the growth we've seen now from 11 to 2020, my guess is will be dwarfed by the growth over the next 10 years because it's going in that direction where fans expect to feel like they are there every day. They feel like they expect to feel like they're inside the building. Um, it's fine for me to write about it. It's, but the days of just having a writer you know, take you inside. Fans now want to see what they are being told about and they expect it in real time. So I expect it to be much more like that. And at, at, at some point you'll go on Twitter, Facebook and, and, and feel like you're right there with the team, which we're getting closer and closer toward that now. Yeah, it's a really cool thing to be a part of, too. Also, I want to kind of, too, is just it's just funny where. So before I started working here how they did some of the broadcast stuff was it was outsourced to their TV partner. So yeah. I worked at that TV partner, Patrick worked at that TV partner. So it was a little more of a natural transition coming in here. Cause we were already working with some of these, you know, some of the Dan Edwards of the worlds at the time, Ron Robinson and right. you uh, guys Princess knew the Shepherd. inside of the building when you came in. Yeah. And, and we were doing coaches show. So we were around the coach and all that kind of stuff. But so it was, it was an easier transition. And, um, so I think it was much more seamless going from nothing to having some because because of kind of the way it happened. But, you know, it's really cool to be a part of like and see the progression and see how we're doing more behind the scenes stuff. And like you said, right, fans expect that. And basically any, every NFL team now has it. And uh, it's I think it's a really cool thing for for fans to be feel like they're more part of the team. The other thing I want to kind of mention is one more production person, Joe Fortunato, who's our manager of radio and also our podcast editor guru who does a bang up job with this is also part of our team. So it's a really good kind of close knit team. And I would make the argument, Dave, that I started to close this uh, podcast. We do a lot at, as a team on the franchise and probably even the most hardcore fan has to work to consume everything on a given week. But if you are a fan who consumes all the content on a given week, I'd make the argument that you that you know this team week to week pretty well. I mean, that 
there is a lot of content and if if you take all the angles that we cover from drive times to coaches shows to my writing to inside a minute to ashlyn's uh instagram work it, it, if you get time to consume it all you're going to know what's going on with this franchise so i i would uh you know i'm not really one to praise others i'm much more about praising johnny up but i would make the argument that this team for the scope that we do um if you're watching jaguars media on a daily basis and consuming it all this team brings you the story and i'm you know on a on a serious note uh proud to be a part of it and very happy that uh, jp ashlyn brian were able to join us today with that, I'll thank Dave, and we'll mention Joe Fortunato again, because you got to mention Joe, for making this thing sound good. I don't think this one sucks, and I look forward to the rest of the Ozone podcast during training camp. This is starting to rev up, and this is getting good. Thank you. <laughs>